Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Real Talk, a movie podcast. We are your go-to source for ratings and recommendations of past and present films. I am your host, Wes Jones, podcasting from Bowling Green, Kentucky. Hey, this is Tommy, podcasting straight from Nashville, Tennessee. The movie buddy Conway, podcasting from Bowling Green, Kentucky. Hey, what's up, Real Community? This is going to be a short little bonus episode we wanted to throw your way. Going through our list of episodes, the only new movie that we've talked about since the podcast started was Tenet. Now, granted, we started the show at the beginning of the pandemic, and there really hasn't been many new movies out. But there had been a few, and we wanted to do just a a couple of brief spoiler-free reviews for you just to help you decide whether you should stream these movies or avoid them. So up first, I'm going to cover the brand new thriller, Run. The medication has messed with her head. What's wrong? Sweetheart? Get me out of here! I really need you to help me. Chloe! Good night, sweet tooth. You need me. You figured it out. Okay. Run is a 2020 Hulu original film. And at one point, I believe it was supposed to be released in theaters, but, you know, we know how that goes right now. The movie has been very well received. Critics have it at a 90% on Rotten Tomatoes. It stars Sarah Paulson and Kara Allen, and it was written and directed by Anise Shiganti. I classify the movie as a thriller, and the Wikipedia synopsis says, A homeschooled teenager begins to suspect her mother is keeping a dark secret from her. Even with that simple premise, it is intriguing. And I'm not going to lambast this movie because it is enjoyable. It's a turn-your-brain-off, one-time watch. However, what makes me want to go hard after like a film like Run is just the universal praise and affection that the critics give these movies these days. One... No one will be talking about this movie years down the road, much less six months down the road. And two, because it's geared towards social climate talking points. And when I sit down to review a movie, I just like to look at what is the movie truly about? What is it? I'll give you my talking points from the film rather than looking at like the social climate talking points of the film. So the very end of the film, which I'm not going to spoil, I could not stomach it at all. I thought it was a huge letdown and unearned. I did not feel the character that is built from the start of the movie would have done this. So when movies end on a low note, you carry that with you. And it's hard to stay excited about some of the other good things that you've seen when movies end on what I consider a downer. Sarah Paulson plays the mother in the movie, and I've really grown tired of these over-the-top characters that are set in reality that screenwriters are currently obsessed with. Plus, I simply don't think that her performance was very strong. The movie is set in reality, but unfortunately, it's incredibly implausible. 
I love horror movies. I love sci-fi, action movies. All of these films are filled with implausibility. However, it depends on the world that you're creating around these things that are implausible. When you ground your movie in complete reality, I have to have realistic things taking place in it or it becomes distracting. So let's just say there are some things that happen in the medical field that if a doctor or two would have missed, there's no way that they would have missed nearly 20 years into our main character's life, especially when we find out the frequency of the visits and how many times the, the character has to go to these visits. Finally, the editor and director did a poor job of building tension. Sometimes I didn't even realize that they were trying to build tension until it was almost forced down your throat. So that's a bad sign. Overall, don't read the reviews. Don't buy into that this is some kind of amazing movie that you're going to watch. If you want to see it, if you hear from other people, just turn your brain off. If you're in the mood for a thriller, check the movie out, and I think you'll have a better time than I did. I barely liked the movie, so I'm going to give it a 5.5 out of 10. So, have Gabe, T-Man, have either of you seen Run yet? It's in my queue. Like, I have Hulu. It's like the next thing that I'm going to watch, but I haven't watched it yet, so no. No, I have not seen it because I do not have Hulu. I'm a little pissed off because I feel like I was one of the first people, you know, in the world to know about it. But I didn't think anybody had heard about it until me because I remember seeing the trailer in the theater back in, like, February. Then I saw it was on Hulu, and I was telling my friend, hey, we got to watch this. We never did, and now I'm behind. And so I'm sure I'll watch it sometime, but I haven't yet. It's, it's It's the newest movie that I've seen that's out. Just wanted to put together my review. Again, it's not terrible. I'm not saying that. Just not a huge fan of it. In the spirit, we're just going to keep this uh, a short episode. So we're just going to go right over to T-Man. And uh, Tommy Gunn, what's your, what's your review going to be on? Yeah, thanks, Wes. So um, there's a couple options I was having to review. But then when I thought about it, I was like, you know, let me. What did I just recently watch in the movie theater? It was last weekend. I went and saw The Godfather 3 in the movie theater. Don Corleone, this deal can make you one of the richest men in the world. Friends, our business together is done. They're old partners. They're unhappy. They think you abandoned them. Just when I thought I was out, they pull me back in. Mr. Corleone, we have a problem. I say we make him dead. You give me the order, I'll take care of it. It's not personal, Godfather. It's only business. We're trying to keep movie theaters alive here at Real Talk. We love them. So I went and saw it at the AMC down here in Nashville. And I would actually never seen Godfather 3. Uh, you know, I love The Godfather 1. And I love Godfather 2. I mean, I think if somebody asked me, what do you think is the greatest movie ever made? I think it's probably Godfather 2 with Godfather 1 close behind it. And so I was always a little apprehensive about watching Godfather 3 just because of the, and it was actually up for seven Oscars. You know, it's not, doesn't have that universal acclaim that, that 1 and 2 does, which honestly is a little unfair to it, which I'll get to in a second. But watching it in the movie theater for the first time, it was actually really cool because it was like, you're almost, it was almost like I was watching a new movie in a way because I'd never seen it on video, never seen it on DVD. I just went to the theater and watched this movie for the first time. 
and it's actually really good. I mean, no, it's not as good as Godfather 1 or 2, but what films are? That's not a fair comparison in a lot of ways. Um, it's also a little bit different because it does take place quite a few number of years later. It has the same cast, but a lot of the cast live anymore. They've been killed off. Robert Duvall is not in it, which probably is its biggest mistake, honestly, of not having him in it. Um, it probably needed him, I think. But the film is actually really good. Um, this re-edited version, so, so Francis Ford Coppola actually went back to Paramount and talked to them about re-editing it a little bit, and he did that. And if you read the reviews now, a lot of the critics are basically saying that this is the best version. You should watch this version over the other version. There, there is not a lot of changes. They only cut about five minutes off of it. But from my understanding, he he changed the beginning and ending um, to to have some more of an impact and to have this, the plot, like I guess, uh, be a little bit more concise. And I'll just kind of briefly talk about the pros and cons. First, the cons, real quick. The plot is a little bit confusing, and so I do feel like I need to rewatch it again just to get the full understanding of where it's going. Um, Sofia Coppola is notoriously rated uh, as not being very good in the film. I don't know if she was ever in another movie again. You know, of course, she's a very famous director now and Prince for Coppola's daughter, but she was derided by critics at the time. And I can see that she's not good in it, but it's not like the worst performance I've ever seen. It's just OK. Um, and then, of course, it's just not as it's it's kind of like this. Francis Ford Coppola at this point had kind of lost his fastball, I guess is the best way to put it. He's still a good director at this point, um, but he doesn't he's not the one of the greatest ever like he was in the 1970s. So it's just not quite there of the greatness level. But on the flip side, it's still it's actually really cool to be back in that world and actually see what would have happened to Michael Corleone 20 years later. Because I never knew after Godfather 2. And honestly, this plot pieces together really well. And I think it, it's actually a fitting in for him. It is a tragedy. Um, and so I think it's well worth it if you've never seen it. Also, Andy Garcia is actually quite good as his nephew. So I'd recommend, uh, you know, his performance was really good. I really like that. All the stuff when they go over to Sicily. Diane Keaton coming back as Kay is really good. And then finally, the last about 30 minutes set in opera is quite awesome like it's really good i know as you just mentioned about a film ending on a high note the godfather 3 really does end on a high note that last section is great it is a tragedy and, and it's uh I, i've actually thought about it quite a bit since i've watched it so like i said if you haven't watched it or if you haven't watched it recently i would definitely recommend watching this new version it's out on blu-ray Blu and dvd right now you sold me I have not, I've never watched Godfather 3, and the reason is, is, I mean, we, I was born in the 80s, grew up in the 90s, by that time, all you hear about is Godfather, Godfather 2, I cut my teeth on, on those when it came to classic films, loved them so much, and everybody I would talk to would be like, don't watch Godfather 3, don't do it, it's gonna mess with the first two and people really talked me out of it and i've avoided it since simply because i hold the first two in such high esteem that i just didn't want to have something leave me a bad taste but after you going and seeing it and recommending it like this especially with the re-edit i think i'm going to wait to see if they stream it and or put out this new version and i'll either buy it or you know rent it stream it and check it out 
Yeah, I think you should, Wes, because I know you do love the Godfathers. And the way I look at it is, you know, you've got to have the right expectations. You know it's not going to be to those levels. Um, it's a it's a good movie, though. It's really good. It, it, honestly, I think even if the plotting is a little bit confusing, I would actually like to watch it again. Uh, Al Pacino, you know, Al Pacino is still really good at it. But I think it's important almost to watch it because you do have to understand Michael Corleone's full arc, character arc. I think that's what this this movie actually does, and I've thought about that quite a bit, and I realize that that's why it's actually important that you do watch this version because now you know what ultimately happens to him, and I'll leave it at that. Let me tell you a quick story. Like, I had never seen The Godfather. My old roommate in college, uh, Bryce, made me, he was like, you've never seen The Godfather? And he acted like, you know, have you ever gotten that where somebody looks at you like, you've never ate Dippin' Dots before, and you're like, um... I'm sorry, I hadn't. So then you feel like obligated to watch it. So I think I did it wrong because I watched Godfather 1 and I loved it so much. Then I watched Godfather 2 and I loved it so much. Then I watched Godfather 3 and I was like, eh. Right, that's not how you do it. Just real quick, Gabe, I was just going to say, like your experience probably actually corresponds pretty well with what actually happened in 1990. Because, you know, you had these two amazing films that were just amazingly successful and just so culturally relevant. And this movie had so much anticipation when it didn't live up to those films. Then people were like, you, you know how we do extremes in the culture. It's like, well, since it's not those films then it's got to be the worst film, which it's not. Um, but no, I, I agree I, with what you said about the end, too. It's just the beginning of Godfather three. It's a little convoluted. Um, but well, from my understanding, and sorry to interrupt you on that. But from my understanding, that's why this version is actually the best version to watch. Because apparently he changed Friends for a Couple, actually re-edits the beginning and the end, makes it a little tighter, makes it you understand what, because I've read quite a bit about like what they did. Cuts out a little bit in the begin in the middle, but he really wanted to reinforce what the movie's about and then what's how it ends. So anyway. Okay. I think that's a great review, great recommendation for our audience. Gabe, take us home. All right. Um, real quick before I begin, I'm gonna do a little QA. Have you guys ever like looked at a Rotten Tomatoes score on a movie? And this is this is a fun question for the audience too. Think about this. And you've seen like a Rotten Tomatoes score of like 95. And then you went to see a movie and you didn't feel like it was a 95 and maybe you were a little bit let down. Has that ever happened to you, Tommy or Wes? Yeah, yeah. my review of Run. <laughs> Run. Wes was like, yeah, today. <laughs> today, right now. It just happened. <laughs> I'll actually go a step further and say that it actually happens all the time with Rotten Tomatoes, scoring movies too high or too low. I feel like that's a podcast episode coming, but yeah, I think that happens a lot, Gabe. I think something else that happens to me, and and this is critical before I go get into the film, because I'm going to tell you how like I heard about the film, but sometimes people will say, this movie's amazingly awesome, it's the best movie I've ever seen this year, and then I go see it, and I have those expectations, and I go see a film, and it's like, eh. Because I expected it to be amazingly awesome and the best film that I've ever seen. Has that ever happened to either one of you? Yeah. Oh, yeah. And I think, honestly, what, what we're talking about here is actually re relevant to Godfather 3. Sometimes it's about expectation. What's your expectation going into a movie? And I think that's relevant to what Wes is saying with Run. You know? So I think all this kind of corresponds with what you're saying, Gabe. Well, there's a reason I'm saying that. So the movie that I chose is Enola Home. Now, where to begin? My mother named me Enola, which backwards spells alone. 
And yet, we were always together. And it was wonderful. She was my whole world. Which leads me on to the second thing you need to know. A week ago, I awoke. Mother? To find that my mother was missing. And she did not return. I'm presently on the way to collect my brothers, Mycroft and Sherlock. Yes, Sherlock Holmes, the famous detective, my genius brother. He will have all the answers. Enola Holmes got a 92% on Rotten Tomatoes. Like, if you look it up right now, you'll see it's got a 92% on Rotten Tomatoes. I didn't look it up before I watched it. So there's a guy at my office, David Kern. He's a big fan of the podcast, and he won one of our drawings. So congratulations, you're on our show now. Um, and he was like, hey, man, you need to check up out Enola Holmes. So he goes, I surprisingly just started it. It wasn't that bad. That's never, like, a good lead-in for a movie. It wasn't that bad, but... You know, I was like, you know what? I'll check it out. Me and my wife were huge fans of murder mystery. I don't know if you guys as a podcast community have watched Sherlock. Tommy recommended Sherlock, the BBC series, to me years ago. And I become a, I became a huge Sherlock fan. Love that series on BBC. It's as good as it gets. I'll go ahead and spoil it for you. This movie's not as good as that. I even liked the original Robert Downey Jr. Sherlock. I don't know if I like the sequel as much. But Enola Holmes... He introduced it to me, and he was like, you need to check out this movie. So I went and did it, And but he didn't say it in a, li- a way where you were just like, it's the best movie ever. And if I would have watched, look at the Rotten Tomato score, I probably would have been a little bit let down. And so I hope that doesn't ruin it. It's my second favorite movie of this year, and it's a mystery film based on a book of a young adult fiction series uh, by Nancy Springer. The story about a teenage sister who's already famous. She's uh, Sherlock Holmes's sister who goes to London in search of her mother, who's disappeared. The film's directed by Harry Bradbeer by the screenplay of Jack Thorne. And the star in the in the show is Millie Bobby Brown. And if you guys don't know who that is, that's Eleven off Stranger Things. She's all grown up now, and she actually has hair from the first season. I think she carries the show, and you always worry about it with child actor, actors and actresses. She's spectacular in it. The mystery itself is good but not great. But it's a movie that you can go into and you don't have to, I don't mean this in a bad way, you don't have to like super pay attention, but simultaneously it's also engaging the entire time you're watching it like most like things on Netflix. But, but it's actually really good. All the actresses and actors are really good. The mystery is good itself. If I had to rate it, I would rate it equal to the first Sherlock with less good special effects. And not as good as the Sherlock BBC series, BBC series, any of the episodes, except for that weird wolf episode that they did in season two. It's better than that one. You know, the, 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 the movie itself, I think everybody should check out. If I had to rank it, I would give it a 7.5 out of 10. So it's not like perfect, but it is a good movie. It's something that I think everybody can enjoy as long as you don't go in with super high expectations. Awesome. Gabe, I might check that one out, too. That sounds like something that uh, my wife would like, so we might sit down and, and check that out. Just want to add, add a little bit to that, Gabe. Uh, I think you're right. I think you nailed the review right on the head. I watched on Netflix, and just like most everything, most every movie on Netflix, it's disposable entertainment. You know, they kind of right. have it on the background, but it's good. Like, it's good disposable entertainment, I guess you could say. And another thing it does well at is, first, Millie... Uh, what's her name? Millie Bobby Brown. Is that right? Gabe? Millie Bobby Brown. Yeah. Yeah. She's excellent. Like she is really good in, in the she role. She does still the show. I really liked her. She she's definitely gonna be a star, I feel like, at least somewhat in the future. Like she is really good in that role. It's kind of one of those movies where all age groups can like it. All you know, 
women, men can like it. It's it's like one of those. It's a four quadrant film. You know, kids can like it, adults can like it, anybody can like, it. and that, that's to its credit because not every film can do that. It's almost like a blockbuster without being a blockbuster. You know, I don't think it had a huge budget, but it's like you're entertained the whole time. But it's not like all in all of the film production. But Millie Bobby Brown does steal the show. Sherlock's character is really good. And the mystery is good enough in itself. And the little like relationship and like all the little things that happen on it are good enough in themselves to where you're thoroughly entertained. And it's just like it, it feels good, but it's, it's nothing like that's going to wow you. I don't want you looking into the 92% before you watch it. No, it's not 92%, but it is the perfect type of Netflix movie because it's Correct. entertaining. Anybody can like it and you can turn it on and you don't have to like think too, too difficult about it. So that that's, that's exactly the type of movie they should be made. Well, that's it. Real talk community, short and sweet. And we'll put out these episodes from time to time, just to keep you updated on the brand new releases. Thanks as always for your support. Next up, our last episode of the year, just in time for Christmas, it'll be 1990s Home Alone. And for us, that's a wrap.